welcome back to another episode of the Cannon Brewer Podcast. It is your girl Rachel back with another episode. Um, yeah, so this week we're going to be going over Genesis 13 and 14. And uh, this might end up being a little bit longer than I'm intending. Hopefully it won't be. Hopefully I won't ramble. So, you know, just pray for your girl. <clears throat> um, but uh, just to quickly recap before we jump right in. So last week we did Genesis 12. And that was the call of Abraham. And um, we talked we talked about how God had called Abraham and he told him to go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then we also, so we saw the promise that God made Abram at the time, his name was Abram at the time, juxtaposed to how Abram responded um, in Egypt. So when Abram was in Egypt, his wife Sarai was a very beautiful woman, even though she was a little bit older, you know, she's still a very beautiful woman because they aged a little differently back then. Um, And when they went to Egypt because of a famine, He knew that people would try to get at Sarah. And so instead of telling people that he would, him and Sarah were married, he told them a half truth, which was that they were just brother and sister. And now we, you know, we talked about in the last episode, Sarah was Abram's half sister on his uh, father's side. So it was, it's just kind of, it was just, it was a half truth, which is a whole lie, you know? So he lied and said that uh, Sarah was just his, just his sister and Pharaoh took her into like his household, like into his harem or whatever. Um, but God is good and he protected Sarah. And he actually uh, says the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah, Sarai. And then at the end of it, we see where despite Abram's lies, um, despite Abram's lies and his fear, or he lied out of his fear. Um, it says, then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. And we read earlier that because that because Pharaoh took a uh, took Sarai, he gave in exchange for Sarai like a bride price. He gave Abram a whole bunch of flocks and servants and people. So he gave him wealth in exchange for Sarah. And at the end we see how Pharaoh let Abram walk away with with Sarai and his wealth. So I just saw that kind of like the blessing of God and just despite um, how we fall short, he is still gracious and merciful enough to still, um, he'll still bless us even out of our, even, even out of our, our, you know, our shortcomings. Um, not to say that there won't be consequences, but God is so gracious and merciful that he'll, he can sometimes turn what we did, what we, what we did wrong and he can use it to benefit us and to flourish us and to propel us into the future. So, that was a quick recap of the call of Abraham last week's episode. Go listen to it. Um, so you can get the full the full breakdown of it. And uh, we're going to pray and then jump into Genesis 13. So, dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, that you would be with me as I read your word and try to talk about your word, God. I pray that you will guide and direct us and that it will this message will reach everybody that it was meant to reach. I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to jump right into 13. I don't have a lot to say about 13, but I wanted to pair 13 and 14 because they go, they still don't go together, but they complement each other. So it says, so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev 
with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had been, had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. It says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. In verse 8 it says, So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any, any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is it not the whole land before us? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of, of Canaan, while Lot lived among among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent, tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So that's a key little point um, that we're going to pick up, you know, not in, not in this week, but in weeks to come when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, which actually might be next week. No. Is it next week? No, not next week. So we'll pick up Sodom and Gomorrah in a little in in a couple of weeks from now. But just remember this this Sodom where it says in verse thirteen of chapter thirteen it says now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Um, this Sodom is where it is the Sodom that was destroyed, you know, the Sodom and Gomorrah that were destroyed. And it is also where Lot lived, which it'll talk about Lot in that story too, in that chapter. But anyway, so Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah. Abram went, he stayed in Canaan, which is interesting because that's where his, you know, that's where the promised land was for the children of Israel. You read about, you know, in Exodus. So uh, starting back in verse 14, it said, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then then your offspring could be counted. Go walk there go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to Lin, went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. So I want to briefly talk about a couple of things in 13, then we're going to jump into 14. So the first thing I wanted to bring up was the fact, so we see Lot a couple of times in this chapter. We're going to see him a little bit in chapter 14 as well. And you know, it's, I don't know, I think we briefly talked about it last week, but Lot was Abraham's nephew. He was the son of Abram's brother, Haran, and Haran had died. So Lot was the nep was Lot was um Abram's was the son of Abram's dead brother. As you can kind of picture that in today, you know, when you when you have a, a brother or a sister who passed away, their child or their children become very, very, very special to you. 
Um, and on top of that, Abram at the t at this time, even though God had promised to give it to, had promised to that he was going to make Abram into a great nation. At that time, at the time when this all went went down, Abram still had no children. So Lot, not only was he very very close to his nephew, but Lot was, um, you know, the next male heir, if you will, for to to, to Abram's wealth. You know, it was either going to go to Lot or to um, one of Abram's servants. So at the time, because he did not have children, but we know that, um, you know, well, he knew too. Abram knew that he, there was a promise from God. And we know later on that promise would be fulfilled in the birth of Isaac. But at the time, like I said, Lot was Abram's nephew, the son of his passed away brother, his deceased brother. And also he was Abram's like the heir to Abram's fortune. So it was kind of important, you know, and I thought it was interesting that they kept, he was, Ab and Lot stayed nearby um, Abram, you know, that was his uncle. So they, and then we also, when you read in Genesis 12, it talks about how when Terah left Abram's father, he took Lot with him. So they're just a very close-knit family. It's, the whole point of it is close-knit family. Um, and then the second thing is back in verses uh, 15 through 17, where God re restates his promise to Abraham or Abram at the time and specifically the part where it says I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust then your offspring could be counted and you just think about how many people there are in the world um obviously we're not necessarily all of descendants of Abram but you think about you know the Christians and believers and we're anyone who can trace their religious background or their their um their religious lineage or their physical ancestry back to Abram, you know, that is offspring of Abram that, so I am grafted into the lineage of Abram because of Jesus, which we'll kind of bring up later on in this episode. So yeah, that's pretty much Genesis chapter 13. It was really just about Lot and Abram going their separate ways. Um, and the point that, the point that matters that they pointed out in the scriptures is that Lot pitched his tents towards Sodom. And that's going to become very important in just a second. So now we're going to jump into reading Genesis chapter 14. And forgive me if I butcher these names. Y'all know what it is trying to read names in the Bible. It's a hot, it's a hot mess for someone whose native language is not, you know, this, whatever, whatever the original, you know, what these names, the language of these names. So starting in chapter 14, verse one, it says at the time when, Amraphel was king of Shinar, Ariok king of Elisar, Kedor Lamar king of <laughs> Elam, and Tiddle king of Goyim. These kings went to war against Bera king of Sodom, Beersha king of Gomorrah, Shinab king of Adma, Shinember king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which that is Zohar. All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Sidon, that is, the Dead Sea Valley. For twelve years, they had been subject to Kedor Lamor, but in the thirteenth year, they rebelled. It says, in the fourteenth year, Kedor Lamor and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the, Rephalite, the Rephites and in Ashtaroth. <laughs> these names, y'all. So let me let me let me, let me, let me try to I'm trying to speed this up. So Kedorlaomer, who was the king, who was the king of Elam, 
he he him and the people he was allied with they defeated the Rephaelites, uh, they defeated the Emites, the Hor and the Horites, as far as El Param, Air Perrin, near the desert. Then they turned back and went to En Meshat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites who lived in Hazion Tamar. It says starting, so that was rough. So we're gonna pick up in verse eight. It says, then the king of Sodom, the king, king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against uh, Kador Lamor. Kador, Kador Leomar. Leomar. Ked. We're going to call him Ked. Against King Ked, king of Elam, Tiddle, king of Goyim, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariot, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Goodness gracious. It says, now the valley, this is verse 10. Now the valley of Siddim, Siddim was full of tar pits. Um, yeah, it was full of tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them and the rest fled the fled to the hills. The four kings, the four, I guess, the kings who were fighting against these five kings, the four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. They, and it says, then they went away. They also carried off, this is the key part, they also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So that was the reason it was important um, in verse 13 that Lot, ch to point out, that Lot chose to live near Sodom in those cities, Sodom, Gomorrah, and the, and the like. Because when they got attacked, these kings, these other kings, these four kings, they took Lot and his people and all that good stuff. It took everybody in Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, who was outside the city, he also got took. He got taken. And then Abram pulled a Liam Neeson and went and got his, his nephew back. So in verse 13, it says, A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the, of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eschol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained, trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Since during the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them uh, as far as Horba, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and other people. So I want to pause right there real quick. You know, so Abram wasn't no punk, first of all. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he let me. Sometimes fear got the best of him, like we saw in Genesis 12. But Abram over here was fighting. He was, he, he Abram wasn't no punk. He went from this punk Abram. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was pretty cool to watch, to see how he was, he led like a small army <laughs> to go get his nephew back. Like, it was straight taken out here. It was crazy. Like, anyway. Because he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. Starting in verse 17, it says, After Abram returned from defeating 
Petalamor, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came, Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. It says, this is another key point in verse 14. It says in chapter 14, verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest, so we have in this, this particular scene, we have Abram, we have the king of Sodom, and we have Melchizedek, king of Salem. It says, He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. That sounds a little familiar, right? We'll talk about that later. Um, it says, the, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. So he just wanted his people back, the people that he rescued. And he was like, and I'll let you keep these goods. But Abram said to the king of Sodom with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a, th not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten in the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Anar, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. So we're going to stop there. So, real quick, we're going to read this. We're going to jump into a New Testament passage, and then we'll be done. So, I wanted to go back to verse 14, which brings up Melchizedek, and just read kind of what my little Bible commentary has to say about him. It says, Melchizedek, whose name means my king is righteousness, is described as king of Salem or king of peace. Some identify him as king near of nearby Jerusalem. As both priest and king, Melchizedek foreshadowed Christ. Um, it says, like Abram, Melchizedek worshipped the true God. His description, his blessing of Abram, and his acceptance of a tithe, which we saw in verse 20, where it says Abram, Gave him a tenth of everything. We saw that's a tithe in the in the uh, in the Mosaic law. You had to give a tenth to the priests, you know. And as we now as Christ, practicing Christians, we still give a tithe, a tenth of our income to our local church or congregation, or to you know to charities as a way to give back what God has given to us. We're just more so just giving back what was already given to us. And it says uh, all these things have prompted some some of the identity. Some, I'm sorry, have prompted some to identify this as a Christophany. And a Christophany is simply another word for saying an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. So with all that being said, now we're going to flip to a New Testament passage. We're going to flip to um, Hebrews chapter 7. And I wanted to briefly mention this. I'm only reading pieces of Hebrews 7, but I highly, highly, highly recommend that you read Hebrews 7 and 8 to get the full picture of what I'm about to talk about. Um, 7 and 8. So 7 talks about Melchizedek the priest, and 8 talks about the high priest of the new covenant. And we know that our high priest is Jesus. Jesus is the high priest of the new covenant. And what we're going to read is that Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek. So we're going to read, uh, we're going to start by reading Hebrews 7 verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to skip around a little bit. It says, This Melchizedek, who we just saw had a run-in with Abram, was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abram, Abraham said to him, I'm sorry, and Abraham gave to him a tenth of everything. 
First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. So I don't want to necessarily say that Melchizedek never died. It's just not recorded. You know what I'm saying? I think that's kind of where they were going at. I could be wrong. But the point is this. Melchizedek was a high priest before there was a priesthood. You know what I'm saying? Like he was a priest of God before the Levites and before Moses and Aaron. This was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the Mosaic law ever got there. So it says, um, oh, so yeah. So that was just kind of like a brief rundown. We kind of read that in the footnote that we saw in Genesis um, 14, the little footnote for verse 18. And, and there's, there's some other stuff, but I I don't want this episode to be too long. But I do want to encourage you guys to read 7 and 8 in its entirety by yourselves um, in your quiet time to get a fuller and better understanding of what how Melchizedek plays into the overall salvation story. So I'm going to skip down to verse 15. It says, and, and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. One who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, i.e. being a Levite, um, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That was from Psalms 110.4, talking about Jesus. Um, It says, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. So this is that oath. Like, so this is, this is a, also in Psalms 110.4. It says in verse 22, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. And then there's a little bit more of chapter 7 and then it pushes right into chapter 8 talking about how Jesus is the high priest of a new covenant in the order of Melchizedek. So, with all that being said, read your Bible for yourself. You know, read the Old Testament and the New Testament because Jesus is literally in the old and the new. He is, he and it, you know, we see in John, in John 1, the word became flesh. And the flesh dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. He is the word of life. He is the word. Everything about the scripture speaks to Jesus, speaks to God. So read Hebrews 7, read Hebrews 8, reread Genesis 13 and 14 for yourselves. Because I know it's kind of, it was a little sketchy around some of those times. And I was trying to pronunciate those names, pronounce those names. That was rough. (laughs) But hopefully you didn't miss the point. The point is to sum it everything up. In chapter 13, because Lot and Abram had such great wealth in and of themselves, they start their 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 people who worked for them started to fight because the land just wasn't the land wasn't there wasn't enough land that they were living on to support the both of them. So they had to separate. Abram lived in Cain and, and Abram let saw uh, Abram let Lot choose first. So Lot chose to live near um Sodom and Gomorrah to pitch his tents in that direction, and we know that Sodom was a very, very, very sinful city, a godless city. And then Abram chose to live uh, 
in the land of Canaan with the Canaanites, which we know um, from reading our Bible, which we know from the story of Moses and Exodus, the land of Canaan is the promised land. So I just thought that was interesting that Abram went to the promised land. So, you know, take that, take that. And we see how some kings got together against some other kings and they, they took over the land and defeated so the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, therefore defeating the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot, who was nearby Sodom, got taken by these other, these bad, these, we'll call them the bad kings. They're all bad, but these bad kings, the four kings. And so when Abram heard, <laughs> when Abram heard that Lot had been taken, Abram went all Liam Neeson on these four kings behind and he had his little small army of 318 trained men and he went and you know organized and attacked these men and got his son his his not his son got lot his nephew back and as well as all the people you know he got the people that they had taken from Sodom and Gomorrah and he got all the goods that they had the four kings had taken from Sodom and Gomorrah and at the end of it we see Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem, um, also a, a high priest of God, all, uh, God Most High, God Most High, yeah. We see that Melchizedek blesses Abram, and then Abram, in turn, gives Melchizedek a tenth of everything he owned, which is called a tithe. And then we also see where the king of Sodom was like, basically looking at Abram was like, just give me my people back and I'll let you keep all the goods, the, all the wealth essentially. And Abram's like, uh, I don't want it <laughs> because I don't want you to ever be able to say I made Abram rich. So he told the king of Sodom, take his money and his people and get to stepping, keep it pushing. I don't need you. You know what I'm saying? And then we read in Hebrews just to reference how Melchizedek, who we saw in Genesis having an encounter with Abram, is the same it, Jesus our high priest is is in the order of that very man and one could even say that Melchizedek was a um how did it describe it Melchizedek was a Christophany which is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ which we see in um Hebrews 7 and 8 so yeah that kind of sums everything up so we're going to pray this out and then we'll be done. So to Heavenly Father, God, thank you, Lord, for such a beautiful day, a beautiful time reading your word. Thank you, Lord God, for our high priest, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you for his sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I pray, Lord, that this will meet uh, the people that it was meant to meet and that it will be a blessing to those who are able to hear it. I pray all these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.